Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today will be Kevin Ingram. We will talk about several Vanderbilt sports, including volleyball, which the university announced this week it will be adding. Kevin appears on the guest line that's presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now on to our interview with Kevin Ingram. Kevin Ingram is one of the two play-by-play voices for Vanderbilt Sports. He joins us today. Kevin, a lot to talk about. Hope you're doing well at what is a busy time of the year for all of us. Yeah, it has been a really busy time, Chris. Uh, we just finished up with spring football. We had the spring game the other day. And, uh, of course, baseball right in the middle of the conference season starting the second half this weekend. And uh, some other big announcements here on the Vanderbilt campus. So, yeah, it's been a really interesting time here for sure. Yeah, we're going to bounce around and get to all of those. Let's start with baseball, though. Huge series coming up for the Commodores at Kentucky. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think everybody around here uh, felt a little better about things after winning two out of three against Florida over the weekend and really having a chance to get the sweep on Sunday. Uh, Jack Bulger hit that home run in the ninth inning and tied the game and uh, got to extra innings. Florida ended up uh, getting out of town with one win. But uh, it feels like things are going better for this team. They've won four out of five over the last two week and a half or so. And now you start the second half of conference play, which is really weird to say. It feels like the season's flown past, but you're 15 games in. you got 15 to go. You go to Lexington to play Kentucky, and uh, it, it always feels to me like Vanderbilt plays pretty well when they go up there, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, again, it just felt like uh, that was a really big series win after some not-so-successful weekends uh, in the previous weeks. But it, it, Tim Corbin talked about wanting to play some close games and win some close games, and this program was able to do that last weekend. Well, it, it feels like – if they could just tread water till they get to past exams, that's when the team always picks it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, now, unfortunately for them, you know, Arkansas and LSU are, are pretty tough series after that. I'm guessing, let's see, are that, what are they done with exams? Do we know for sure? Uh, I got to think here in a couple weeks. And yeah, yeah. Tim Corbin was talking about that, too, on our show on Monday night. He said, you know, it, it always makes a difference, especially for like the first year guys when the semester's over and exams are done and you're done with school and you can really focus and put all your attention into playing baseball. He says he always sees and, and it's noticeable for sure. You see guys get get rolling maybe a little bit after that part of the year is done. But, yeah, that, that won't be too far away here in a, in a few weeks. Where do you sense they're going with their weekend pitching rotation? Well, that's a uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, you know, you know, Chris McIlvain and Carter Holton are pretty much the uh, first two guys. That Sunday starter has been a uh, kind of a a bit of a work in progress throughout the season. Uh, we've seen him mix in, uh, you know, some different guys. We've seen Bryce Cunningham get a start or two. Um, I don't know. I'll be interested to see what they do on Sunday. Uh, I, I kind of like for me, the temptation would be to. Uh, to maybe throw Devin Futrell in for a Sunday start, but he's been so good in those midweek games. You don't want to disrupt what's going on there on those Tuesday games. Now this coming week, there's not going to be a Tuesday game. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see when we get to Sunday, what they decide to do. But boy, uh, Devin's been fantastic in these uh, midweek games. And 
it, yeah, it feels like they've kind of been searching for that guy. You, you thought at one point, well, maybe Patrick Riley's a guy or maybe Cunningham's a guy, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that again, you got five more weeks of conference play, and uh, maybe, maybe that will become a little more apparent as we move into this final stretch of the SEC. Yeah, it sets up nicely to use him this weekend, given they don't have the midweek game. Then you can slide him back in, in the Louisville game mm-hmm. next week, which will be big. And so maybe some opportunity to mix and match based on how the schedule is breaking for them the next two weeks. Yeah, maybe so. And, boy, it just doesn't feel like there's much of a breather. Uh, Texas A&M will be here next weekend. And you mentioned that Louisville, that midweek game. And that's that's not just any midweek game. That's always one that's uh, a little more interesting than the others. And then, uh, yeah, you got that final stretch of SEC play, which is going to have some uh, a lot of ranked teams. So you think about it, you still got Georgia, you got Arkansas, you got LSU, you know, A&M, as I mentioned, uh, coming up next week. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, the schedule, it felt like it was front-loaded with good teams, and it definitely feels like it's back-loaded with good teams. Yeah, you know, maybe some good news here, too, is it seems like they're getting healthier. Nick Maldonado has gotten back. He's throwing harder than he was. Tate Colwick is at least playing. I, I do wonder about the hand at times, but it's not been enough to take him out recently, which has not always been the case. Um, I don't know if Sam Laboki is on the radar to pitch again. I don't think that's a topic that's come up in a while. What do you know about any of those things? Um, I don't know anything about Sam Laboki. Uh, I know what, uh, as far as like Tate, yeah, he's been back in. I know he's, he's kind of battled that hand and wrist. And uh, it, it's been great to see Nick Maldonado back out there. I mean, he. Going into the season, I mean, he was a major part of what was going to happen with this team in 2022. He's a preseason All-American. He's pitched in every situation when it comes to not just the regular season, but the postseason. Um, he was so good last year. And, yeah, you hope, you know, back half of the season here, he's, he's only made like five appearances this season. And he started out in, in the weekend rotation. Uh, he missed a big chunk of the season from the time they played at Hawaii in early March all the way until just last weekend when he returned against Florida. I thought he looked like he threw the ball really well in, in the inning. We saw him on Tuesday against Tennessee Tech. And, yeah, as you say, that velocity is back up. And, you know, Tim Corbin talked, too, about being let, that relief pitcher with the with the short memory like you have to have when you, you pitch in that spot. Uh, gave up the home run on Saturday. Actually ended up getting the win in that game. But uh, then came right back, and, and you got to flush all that and get ready for your next performance. And, and it felt like he did that on Tuesday. But I, I, I was very pleased and happy to see uh, Maldonado back on the mound. Do you get the sense that his role is going to be back in that in-game slash high-leverage relief spot? <clears throat> yeah, for Nick, I mean, he's such a versatile guy. I mean, we saw last year you can use him in so, so many different roles. You can uh, use him to, to finish out a game if you want him to throw two or three innings. We saw him be a, a bridge guy to kind of be that setup man for, for Murphy last year. Just wherever you put him in, we've even seen him get you know get a couple starts this season. But uh, love his stuff. Good fastball, throws a cutter, and uh, good breaking stuff too. So, yeah, it was exciting to see him back on the mound and uh, kind of flush out the one on Saturday and get out there and uh, throw a, a, an effective ninth inning on Tuesday. And I got to think he's going to be uh, used a whole bunch more as we uh, enter these final weeks of conference play. You know, it's funny how seasons develop because going into the year, I think one of the questions we all had was in game, right? And Maldonado was a natural for that role, and then suddenly he's he's a weekend guy. Well, now he's back to the end of the pen, and you didn't know where Thomas Schultz fit and didn't know if he had closer stuff. Well, he's been pretty good. In fact, he's been very dependable, and he and Nick are two different type of pitchers with different stuff, and Schultz yeah. keeps the ball on the ground. Maldonado just dominates you with that cutter-fastball combo when it's working. Neither of them walk a lot of guys. And then you've got Christian Little, 
who's kind of a wild card too, and we'll talk about him next, but he's also been used, you know, in high leverage leading situations. I feel like all of a sudden, presuming Maldonado is what he was last year, that's a that's a team strength. It's gone from a question mark to mm-hmm. hey, that's that's a pretty good spot to be in with those guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I really like the way Thomas Schultz has uh, moved into his role at the back end of the bullpen. You know, I, I think when he first arrived here a year or two ago, you thought, okay, this guy's going to move into the starting rotation to be a weekend starter, but that hasn't really uh, been what it's come to for him. And uh, he, he's looked really comfortable in that role and has really pitched well. Um, yeah, I, I think with, with him and Maldonado and a few of the other guys you have that you can use, I know you're going to ask about Christian Little in a minute, but uh, yeah, yeah, it feels like those, and, and it seems like every year we talk about that going into the season. Okay, how are these bullpen roles going to be defined as we move forward? And, and you get into the season a little deeper, maybe two-thirds of the way like we are now, and, and say, okay, I, I see how this is going to fit together, at least how you hope it might fit together. And, and Scott Brown and Tim Corbin are so good at, uh, at figuring all these things out over the course of the season. Yeah, with Little, where does this go next? Where does this settle by season's end? Well, I mean, we've seen him, uh, you know, in that bullpen role, a, a late-inning guy, and just electric stuff. I, I I know people will see the home run that he gave up against Florida in the 10th inning and see that he took the loss, but overall he pitched really well. Yeah. I mean, he pitched three innings in that game, and he looked terrific. Um, so, I, man, that, that fastball just pops. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it jumps out of his hand maybe more than anybody, uh, I don't know, more than anybody on this roster, but close to it anyway, up near the top. And you, know, you think about him, how young he still is. I think he's still just 18 years old out there uh, playing in these situations. And, you know, he's been around and been through all the uh, all the different things that go into a, a long postseason run, too. So, yeah, I mean, he it feels like he's going to be a key factor. And uh, I, I thought he pitched really well against Florida on, on Sunday. Well, and I think the big stat for him, and I'll look up overall games, but I believe he's not walked a guy in eight innings of SEC work. And to me, that points to, in my mind, and I know they try to be careful, right, because you want to bring a guy along slowly. If he's competent where he is, then then maybe you take a small step than rather a, a big step. But I think where they are, to me, with the control part seeming to be down, you almost have to start trying to see if he can get the ball to start games. Yeah, they they used him in that role in the midweek last year. I mean, basically was a starter on the you know Tuesday games a whole lot of the season last year. Um, I don't know if that's in the plans for him this time around, but uh, you, you certainly are, are getting to a point with him where you feel very comfortable putting him out there. And we've seen him used in uh, you know not not just some sort of um, back-end mop-up role, but in key spots in these games, including the you know chance to, to sweep a series against Florida this past weekend. He was out there at the end of the game. So, yeah, I, I, I've really been, uh, been impressed with his uh, progress throughout his sophomore year. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. 
Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find walk numbers on him for, for this year. But, I mean, that that's the big thing. You're going to get hit, especially the way people swing the bats these days. Yeah. G- giving up the home run didn't didn't really bother me. Yeah, he's pitched he's pitched 16 innings. He's walked four, and he's only hit a batter. Those are pretty good control numbers. Uh, you know, last year he had some issues with extra base hits. He's given up one double, one home run. Uh, yeah. I, I just don't see anything here not to like with him. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, that that's where pitchers get into trouble. You walk guys or you put guys on base somehow, and then you give up the home run, and that that's where the real problems start. But, yeah, you can live with a solo home run here or there, which really, I mean, that was the only, as you said, that's the only one he's given up this season. But, yeah, I'm just – yeah, it's just a maturation of a young pitcher, and I think we've probably seen that over the course of last year as a freshman and this year as a sophomore. All right, let's talk spring game. What stood out to you as you watched that and watched parts of spring practice? Yeah, I was out there for several practices. I know you you were there for, for pretty much all of it. Uh, spring game on Saturday it was fun being out there and just seeing them uh, play in the stadium. I, I, I don't know that you can take away a lot of really solid concrete things from uh, you know the, the spring football season but uh, as far as the game on Saturday I, I thought Will Shepard looked terrific uh, yeah. the receiver uh, I like Justin Harris at corner he made some plays had an interception uh, the, the quarterback situation is really interesting to me because you, know, you, you got the the two guys who've been here for a couple of years and, and Mike Wright and, and Ken Seals and then you have AJ Swan who I mean he comes in there you talk about a guy who looks the part playing quarterback I mean he he looks like one of those uh, big dudes that didn't step out there on an SEC Saturday. But, you know, as far as how the when it comes down to actually playing and, and having the games and uh, divvying up those reps, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to play out. But, yeah, I thought I thought all three of those guys had good moments. And, you know, you had a, a couple of passes that uh, they probably like to have back. Mike Wright showed off the wheels, uh, especially early in the game and had a 50-yard run. So it uh, showed you what he can do. But, yeah, I, th- I thought there were good moments and there were growing moments for uh, guys on both sides of the football. And, uh, again, it's a, it's one of those games that was you – know, they, they played real football for about a half and then the, the rest of the day was a running clock. So it wasn't you know, a, a totally a simulated game. But you know, I, the one thing that stood out to me in watching practice, and I may have said this on our podcast before, is I, I felt like going and watching practice, I was watching something – uh, from maybe later on in the year, like getting ready to, to have a game, you know, a game week or you know, a camp practice for sure, where the, the tempo and the intensity of it uh, felt that way and not just uh, out there for spring ball going through the motions. Yeah, watching them last August was just difficult at times. There was no offensive line cohesion or good play, and, and I don't want to make too much of this, right, because they had a lot of defensive linemen out, but it feels like Everything's more together. The other thing that has sort of stood out to me is you looked at them last August and you're going, well, identifiable identifiable playmakers on this team. There just weren't a lot. And, and the ones that you had were were maybe Cam Johnson and Ben Bresnahan who didn't get used. You had Seals. Well, he was running for his life most of the season. <laughs> um, you know, on defense, you just didn't know at all what they had, right? Um, now you, you look forward to this time and you got – you look at the linebacker, you've got, you know, Ethan Barr and Anthony Orgy can play a little bit. You know, Kane Patterson showed some things. Um, you mentioned Justin Harris. I thought Jalen Mahoney had a terrific spring. Um, 
You look on the offensive side of the ball, you mentioned Will Shepard. Uh, you mentioned you know three quarterbacks have shown things at times. You, you had Ray Davis who didn't play, but Patrick Smith showed yeah. some things. Now, now, look, it's Vandy on Vandy, and I'm not making big conclusions. I still think it's going to be a struggle probably for them just to win two or three games, but you feel like you saw progress in terms of, of player and, and maybe scheme development too. Yeah, I, I definitely thought, felt like you saw progress. Um, I, I thought it was interesting to hear Clark Lee talk about those quarterbacks and, and where they are. And he was talking about AJ Swan and said, "Yeah, he, he's brand new and he's just like learning all he can on the fly here, uh, you know, as, as a first-year player." But he also said that with the, these quarterbacks going back to last year is like they're a freshman all over again, too, learning a whole new scheme. And you know, and, and some of the conversations I had is like, especially with some people on offense. Uh, the, the continuity of last year to this year, they, they felt like really served well, not having to learn an entirely new system because you know, some of those guys that have played in multiple systems, if you're a little bit older player and you've been around here for a couple seasons. And I, I, I think, yeah, and uh, the, the, the folks on the offensive line, uh, including AJ Vlasic, the, the, the offensive line coach, I think he definitely appreciated that uh, continuity from last season to this season. And that's a position group where you really have to have that. And that's really valuable guys playing together for a longer period of time. And, you know, the, the cohesion that you have to have in that unit, even if you're, you're plugging in some other guys at times, you have to have that for that group to be successful. You know, the other thing, and I was, I was looking up his name cause I always forget how to pronounce it. Uh, but you had Steven Sanianola out there a lot. You had Daniel Martin out there a lot this spring. You mentioned Swan getting some reps. I feel like this was a spot, uh, and, and you saw some of the, the offensive linemen get some reps too. Um, it feels like this is a spot where some of those early enrollees came in and got a chance to play a good bit in mm-hmm. in practice and, and maybe have got a shot to make an impact for them. Yeah, I, I always kind of debate how I feel about you know guys uh, enro- leaving high school early and enrolling in college and, and coming and getting started on their careers. But the upside of that is certainly uh, they're they're ahead in the football part of it, no question about it. I mean, uh, they'll they'll be ahead of the players who are coming in this summer to to get started on their careers. But yeah, ha- having that opportunity to to go through spring practice and get a little understanding of what it's all about and the intensity and the level that you have to play to be successful uh, in this conference and in, you know high level college football can do nothing but serve them well. Anything else on football that, that stood out to you that we saw in the spring? Um, again, I, I think uh, just the intensity of it is what really uh, impressed me and uh, enjoyed a couple conversations with Clark Lee. We had him on our Monday night show just talking about what it's been like for him going from year one to year two and just how the, you know, the comfort level is a little bit different. And he feels like players are – you know, the ones that have been there last year and, and, and moving into this season for uh, Team 2 are, have definitely bought in and you know, kind of setting the expectations and the standards of the program. They, they made progress uh, in that. I, I mean, who knows what it'll look like uh, you know, as far as translating in the wins and those sorts of things, but I think he feels like this uh, program is definitely going in the right direction. Yeah, the, the buy-in, I think, is important. You definitely feel, when you talk to them privately and off the record, that they've got more of that from the players uh, this year, and, and I, think, I think they're right on that. The other thing, Kevin, I think you're seeing more former players at practice. Uh, one criticism, mm-hmm. Derek Mason, this is not here to bag on Derek, but I don't think they were necessarily made to feel welcome for the most part. I know that's a big effort of his outreach. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I saw more former players at practice than, than you had in a long time. And yeah, it's cool to see those guys. And, you know, when you have a, you know, a guy like Earl Bennett around the program who's 
you know, one of the, the best and most popular players in the history of the program. And that, that kind of helps uh, attract some of those former players to come back. We've seen Chris Williams a lot uh, over here the last, you know, couple of years. But, uh, yeah, it was cool to see all those guys. You know, in the spring game on Saturday, you had not just uh, recent former players. You had a lot of players from, from years past. And to me, those those guys are such resources for your program. I never understand for the life of me uh, why why any any program in any sport wouldn't want former players, especially ones who've been really successful, to come back and be part of things and and be around and be resources for for the guys you have and you know and, and just uh, you know continue to to uh, feel like they're they're part of things uh, in, the, in the program where they play. Yeah, I, I don't know what that was about under Derek, but that was a, a common complaint that I heard and, and you probably did as well. But. Um, Moving on to something else, pretty interesting week at Vanderbilt. Not every week you add a sport. Uh, Vanderbilt added volleyball this week, and I think that's one that a lot of people feel like they've got a shot to be pretty good in pretty quickly just because of uh, the academic nature and and lots of other things. Of course, the the city and all the things that we know Vanderbilt uses to market itself with, but that that was not an unexpected development. I remember thinking when they announced the stuff, and you're like, man, they've, they've got that practice court wide open in Memorial uh, after they're building the, the stuff with the basketball yeah. gym, which we'll talk about next. I remember my first thought was I'd heard some talk about volleyball. I bet you that's where they they use that space to play or practice. And, and sure enough, here it is. Yeah, they, I think that's great. And, uh, Chris, volleyball is really popular around here. I mean, you think about the high school programs you have and uh, the travel teams, and I've known – parents who've had kids that played volleyball and i mean they went all over to play and uh, you you see it played at a really high level and um i I think adding this program to vanderbilt is going to be a real plus it's supposed to come online in the uh, 25 26 academic year they'll they'll hire a coach a little bit later on this year but you know as far as the facilities and everything it feels like it's going to work out about right because uh around the time they have the new basketball facility open and then you'll have the volleyball getting going and they'll be able to slide right into those uh the basketball facilities uh, as they're being used now at memorial gym so that'll be cool to see that sport uh, on that court um, and the SEC, you really, as you see in pretty much every sport the SEC plays, this has high level in volleyball, too. Uh, Kentucky won the national championship last year. You have lots of great programs in that sport. So, yeah, that'll be cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to volleyball uh, being here on the Vanderbilt campus. Any idea what the timeline looks like for hiring a coach, first season, all those things? Uh, they said uh, that later this year would be the timeline for hiring a coach. Uh, now, as far as when it, the, the team will actually start playing, it'll be in, in 25, 26. Uh, that, that's my understanding of, of how all that's going to work. So you, you got a little bit of time here before you actually start playing games. But uh, I'm sure for whoever the, the first head coach is, it's going to feel like a short amount of time just to try to get everything together and get started. So you say hiring, you mean starting the, the looking at a a coach process or they hope to have one by the end of the year uh, my understanding is they hope to have one by the end wow. of the year. but uh, you know, we'll see how that goes i mean you still got a lot of 2022 left so uh hope well i mean that that was you know basically on, on what i read and i heard from candace lee uh, uh when they made the announcement the other day so they'll have a good that coach will have a good two-year ramp up um yeah yeah which i, I guess is really good for recruiting i mean in, in that case if you think about it that way you know you you can have you know, hopefully a couple of classes locked down. I, I don't know what the mm-hmm. recruiting cycle is for volleyball. I don't know if it's like baseball where they commit as freshmen or eighth yeah, graders, I, or, if I it's, have no idea. or if it's more like football. But uh, that, that's that's interesting. That's uh, I, I would think 
goodness, any more than that, you, you might almost get bored with sitting there wanting it to start. But right. Yeah, I know, that, waiting, waiting for your program to get going. Right. That, that seems like a, a solid plan. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. The other thing, you had, there was an announcement on the basketball stuff this week, uh, some more details that are coming out on, on timelines, maybe details with facilities. Uh, what sticks out is most interesting in all that? The most interesting part about all of that is that they're going to build this big basketball facility in this little tiny space behind uh, the north end zone at Vanderbilt Stadium between their parking garages and Memorial Gym. Uh, I really enjoyed the chance to, uh, to sit down with Candace Lee and with Al Harris, who's the, the, the lead architect on this project for Populous out in Kansas City. Uh, we, we sat down and we looked through the plans. We did a little video. You can find that at VUCommodores.com. But uh, he, he really detailed it all, and they, they talked about the thinking behind the, uh, the building. But uh, you, you have – it's going to be a four-level building, and you're going to have a level for each of the basketball programs. The, the men's program will be on the bottom level. The, the women's program will be on the, on the higher level. Um, but it's basically the same facilities for both. There's going to be gyms that are stacked on top of one another. You know, where usually you have a basketball mm-hmm. facility, you have gyms are side-by-side side or end-to-end, but on this one, they're going to be stacked on top of one another. And uh, he, he talked about how the just the thought process and the design that all went into it. It, it was really, really interesting to me, and it made me wish I had been an architect. Uh, I, I told Al when we got done, it's like, I wish I could do what you do. Uh, but it, it's a really cool building. It's going to be uh, kind of a dual purpose in a way because it's not just basketball facility. Uh, I mean, it'll have the weight rooms, nutrition areas, and all those things, training areas. But then it'll also have some some common space that will be shared with football, especially for game days, and uh, some seating on that side that will face the football field, face the you know from that north end zone. And so, uh, yeah, you'll be able, they'll be able to use it in a variety of ways. And it will also uh, connect the two sides of the football stadium, and it will connect with Memorial Gym to make easy access for the players to go uh, in and out, especially on game days. So it's a really, really neat project. I, I enjoyed looking at those things and, and going over the plans. And uh, again, it maybe maybe wish that uh, I, I could design things like that. But uh, I, I'm always amazed on, on projects like that, that you'll see the plans for it. And, and, I, and I was thinking back to when they built the football stadium, uh, you know, what was Adelphia Coliseum and it's now Nissan Stadium. Uh, I, I remember seeing the, the plans for that and thinking there is no way it's going to look like that. And when they got done, it looked exactly like that. Yeah. And so uh, I, I always think those things are cool. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, now, now, the connecting different parts, how is that going to work? Is there just going to be like a common walkway in front of the, the building that, that with the staircase to the ground level on the other ones, or how does that go? Um, well, it'll, you know, the, the building will fill up pretty much the, most of the end zone there, yeah. uh, you know, from, from corner to corner, and then it will just have walkways that will connect with a concourse on the stadium. Uh, and yeah, there'll, there'll be access to go up and down or, um, and then as far as like how the, the floors are connected for the, the basketball facility, there's what they call a central spine that goes down the middle of it and has, you know, access to go up or down when you, when you go in the building, my understanding was you, you might go in kind of on a middle level. If you're, if you're going, if you're entering the basketball facilities and then you can go up for the women's basketball area and then down for the, uh, the men's basketball area. But it was really neat to see how it all connected. And, uh, and they, they really put a lot of thought into it and you, you could tell it was, uh, you know, a project they didn't just hastily throw together, but they, they made sure that it all connected the way they wanted it to. I don't mean this in a bad way. It's just kind of funny. Like the, the, the joke has been for so many years about how everything is right there and, and, and so congested. And now, now they're going to manage to cram another few things into there too. Yeah. I, uh, 
It was funny the day after we shot all that, and uh, Tommy McClellan, the uh, the deputy athletic director, worked with us on on doing the video the other day. And uh, the day after we did all that, I was actually uh, walking out of our office, and I and I walked out into that area uh, beyond the north end zone where the the video board is now, and. Uh, I took a picture of it. And I sent it to Tom, and he was like, "Man, I, I don't know how they're going to fit all this in there. I'm glad I'm not the one uh, responsible yeah. for designing the thing." And he, he agreed, he laughed, and agreed with me. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty good sized building for a very small area. But uh, that that's why uh, architects uh, make the big bucks. They know what they're doing, uh, figuring out how to make these things fit. Well, and I think the key you said four stories because what what's funny you you said this, and I think that was unintentional about like I don't know how they're going to fit it in such a small space. Yet it's going to be what the the biggest or one of the biggest basketball facilities in the country yeah i believe it is yeah it's, it's going to be a, a really unique facility and yeah one of the biggest uh but yeah it, it's like anything else you, you think about building buildings in a downtown area you don't build out you build up in right. this case uh, for vanderbilt that's what they're doing and, and then the next phase will be that other end zone um where i, I guess they'll cut off jess neely at some point and, and mcgugan will will change markedly and, and that whole space will change too I don't yeah, know where you are in terms of knowledge on that, but I think that's the next step. Yeah, I know that. I know that's a big part of what they're doing. At, at some point, there's going to be a major renovation of the McGugan Center and the football facilities and all that. But um, yeah, I, that's probably uh, that's probably not too far down the road. I'll, I'll be interested to see how long until we see plans for those things. But yeah, the the basketball facility is a is a big step in the uh, Vandy United campaign. Kevin, parting thoughts, any big stories we didn't cover in this podcast, anything coming up with, with your podcast or anything else that you'd like to announce? The floor is yours for that. Um, I, I just want to remind everybody, uh, on Monday nights at 6 o'clock, we've gone back to doing our Commodore Hour show live and in person at the Commodore Grill inside mm-hmm. the Holiday Inn, uh, Vanderbilt, just right, right, basically right next to Vanderbilt Stadium. So uh, if you're over this way at 6 o'clock on Monday, come over and see us. Uh, Coach Tim Corbin will be with us from 6 to 6.30 each week. And then we're going to have a, uh, a, a rotating group of guests uh, for that second half hour of the show. So uh, I really encourage people to come out and hang out with us. It's, it's a nice place. You can, you can have some food and uh, some beverages. And, uh, and then they have live music that comes on after Andrew and I are done. So uh, we, we have to get our, our table moved out of the way so they can hook up the guitars and everything. But it, it's, it's been fun to be back in person. We'll be doing that through uh, the middle of May. So I encourage everybody to come out and see us. Any guitar solos from you or, or Andrew? Uh, that that might be more of Andrew's uh, territory than mine. I ah. don't play, play any instruments, but I wish I did. You know, truth be told, when I was a kid, I didn't just want to be a, a play-by-play announcer. I really wanted to be Eddie Van Halen, but that didn't really work <laughs> out. So uh, maybe next time. Like, I wanted to stand on like a wall of, you know, 10-foot wall of amps and, and play like Eddie, but uh, yeah, not everybody can do that. <laughs> I think there was only one Eddie Van Halen. That's exactly right. And, and we miss him. So, um, hey, Kevin, thanks a bunch for your time. We'll catch you again in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Chris. All the best to you, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. 
And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.